are super revved, pun intended, to talk with Tom Papadopoulos, founder and owner of Autosport Designs. For over 30 years, Autosport Designs has been serving automotive enthusiasts, providing sales, service, and restoration of vintage and exotic automobiles. Clientele old and new quickly learned that his knowledge and love for the cars is like no one else in the business. It's fair to say that walking into Autosport's display room is like walking into an art gallery. The most beautiful cars sharing the same space. I always love when Tom refers to his place as an orphanage, a place where the cars are loved and taken extraordinary care of until they find the right home. Tommy's passion for cars has led him to have an amazing career. There truly is no one else in the business better to talk cars with. His knowledge and understanding of the cars is why his expertise is sought after by car lovers all over the world. From starting out focusing mostly on Porsche to his true love for Aston Martins and Ferraris. As a truly exceptional driver, his racing has brought him near and far, including racing in the North American Ferrari Challenge, winning the championship back-to-back in 1997 and 1998. In full disclosure, when he married my beautiful sister, I bet he never knew how lucky he would be to get me too. We could talk cars, models, engines for hours, but today we want to talk more big picture of the industry and who better to get a cool inner perspective than Tom Papadopoulos. Welcome, Tom Papadopoulos. I'm glad we finally got you here. I look forward to this. Tommy, what sparked your passion for cars? I mean, where does does your story start? Uh, With a father that was a womanizer. Thank, thank you for sharing. That's and, a lot. And, and luckily, he hung out with a lot of these car guys who became my mentors and let me into the bars, the restaurants, wow. the factories, and the rest is history, as they say. But you lived it. It was kind of cool. Awesome. I was going to ask you, the EU actually announced that all cars sold will be emission-free by 2035. General Motors also said that it will sell only zero-emission vehicles by 2035. As Lotus Motor Cars of Long Island, a factory authorized franchise dealer, I'm interested to ask, the new Lotus Amira was recently unveiled and currently on its world tour. It's rumored to be the last gas-powered car from Lotus before the automaker transitions to electric vehicles. So how do you feel about the change to electric across the sports car industry? I think you can't stop innovation. I think uh, my biggest fear is all the automobiles and racing I've done. How ironic would it be if I'm walking across Madison Avenue and get killed by a Tesla because I didn't hear it. (laughs) You didn't hear it coming up on you? (laughs) Silent. So so to be honest with you, I actually, um, I don't think that's, I think it's a stepping stone because I don't think they have the infrastructure to do it. I think we don't, we think very much of America and not um, the world. I don't think you're going to have the infrastructure to have the uh, farmer in the middle of France plugging in his tractor right. anytime soon. That's a good point. But I also think there's going to be, uh, well, without being political, I think there's going to be alternative fuels that Porsche is, is looking at. There's hydrogen. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, whether... I, you, once again, you can't stop innovation. Whether I like it or not, I don't want it to be misconstrued with that I deal with old cars and I love them because I do. I love the smell of gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's true. It's like, it is so ambitious to think. I mean, even 
this there was a re, the recent infrastructure bill that passed already has changed the way that they're providing for the charging stations that they've allotted money for. How how is that even the batteries alone? I don't even understand because even aren't yeah. Let's 70, not forget like seventy percent of the batteries are, are actually manufactured in, in China. Not they're not even that. manufactured here. Well, that's another thing. I mean, Lotus is also owned by Geely, who is a Chinese company, and um, they own twelve and a half percent of Demler Benz. And and I'm I'm sure everyone's going. The marketing teams have taken over for the engineering teams on a on the occasion these days. Um, you know, you said batteries. It depends upon weather. You know, a lot of the Canadians that I deal with do not want an electric car. They're right. sitting in three hours of traffic in, in zero degrees. You know, who's going to bring them a gallon of electricity when they run out of fuel? It's not manufactured to the extent that it's as usable as a gasoline-powered automobile. So right. I'm not sure where you're yeah. putting all these batteries and we're America <laughs> and everyone thinks you're going to recycle. And right. um, I think our recycling is taking all the things that we don't want and sending them to third world countries, in which case eventually I think our tropical fish will be tropical because of what we're dumping. <laughs> I, I, I think it's amazing that you're taking this perspective that marketing is getting ahead of manufacturing. I mean, I don't see that at all in my industry. Whenever I watch a commercial about 5G and talks about how 5G is going to solve world hunger, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, I'm just assuming it's, it's true. I mean, it's not like marketing is taking over from a messaging perspective what we can actually deliver as as an industry across any industry for that matter the the new technology doesn't always integrate with the existing technology from in my field that that's uh i think that's a common problem for most people is you can you can get the greatest or the latest phone you go in your car but the board for that car was manufactured maybe four or five years before that phone was actually invented. So now it's all about, will the latest version actually make it seamless? It's all about seamless, right? Everybody wants seamless. Well, from, listen, I, I, yes. I mean, but there, there is a point where I look at, I have an iPhone 11. Maybe it's a 12. <laughs> I hope it's a 12, Tom. It's a it classic. Could, it, is it an eight? It might be a 13. <laughs> I is there a 13? There's a 13. Yes, there is. Okay, a 13. well, whatever it is, it's got it's really big um, so that I can see, see everything. <laughs> and um, for those of you who are listening, I really just came over for the drinks as well and the camaraderie. <laughs> um, you know what? Max you, loves, amen to that. Max loves fun facts, and I have a fact. The International Council on Clean Transportation has concluded that the nation would need 2.4 million electric vehicle charging stations by 2030. And that's only if 36% of new cars were electric, which seems like if you think about that, that being said alone, like classic vintage cars, combustion engine cars aren't going anywhere anytime soon because it seems like... So I, I don't understand. Before we were talking about 2030 and all these deadlines for only electric yeah. cars rolling off. It's How not, is that even going to happen? It, it can happen. It can right? happen. And even right? if they do manage to create charging stations, yeah. we're not talking the fast charging. I mean, what are you going to plug in for an hour when you're on your way to work? Like, But we're also spoiled as Americans because we're also all driving these SUVs that um, the rest of the world has already paid seven, eight, nine dollars a gallon. Right. 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 So they're all driving turbo diesels and 
they're they're quite effective and clean and um same is true with their buses and trains i mean gone are the years of having you know the q60 going down queen's boulevard in a cloud of smoke right <laughs> right, we're gonna have whatever nature allows um right. i uh I'm more worried about what humanity is doing to the soil and everything else, you know, that's destroying the world from beneath, not above. So you're saying that there are alternatives like turbo diesel. It's it's interesting when I think of diesel in a in like a not a, a commercial vehicle or not a truck. Yeah. I think of like, do do I have to plug it in? Is it gonna like freeze in the winter? Like I remember well, the that, old Mercedes. And that shows my age. I think of a, a nineteen. 19- <laughs> 70 or 80 diesel Mercedes that sounds like it's about to blow up when you start it. You have to wait for it to warm up to start it in the cold and it goes zero to 60 in like three years. (laughs) So very efficient. Let's look. It's completely changed. Right. For years, I'd rented from Hertz in England and Europe. Right. And you'd be driving a turbo diesel uh, supercharged um, Land Rover, and it feels the same. I right. mean, not you know, not five hundred horsepower of acceleration, but who the hell, where the hell are you going? Like, <laughs> I, I just like the sound. I'm not sure how many people are going to pull over on the way to Florida to charge at the Chesapeake, <laughs> uh, you know, the Maryland stop. Right. There's just so yeah. many cups of coffee you can get while waiting. <laughs> even even with rapid charging, right, or whatever they claim to be. Rapid charging. Mm. Max had mentioned the new Lotus. I always thought it was so cool that all the Lotus model names start with the letter E. Now, I'm not saying E is a bad letter, because if I was going to choose a letter in the alphabet, I probably would choose an E. E. But I just always thought that was an interesting thing. Someone told me that at one point, but uh, Colin Chapman, the founder of the company, um, was a racer, and I'm not sure... He came up with it. I'd have to be in in we'll Norwich, in England, which is in God's country, in a pub, to oh, actually yeah. ask someone who works at the factory. That would be cool. That would be a good thing to know. How many how many letter E lotuses do you know? I'm trying to think um, of all the ones. Amira, no. a lo- a more a wait. A, I'm, I want to start with a spree because I'm old. Spree. So I remember the lotus is spree. Elite before that. Elite. Oh, elite was before that. It was oh, in the fifties. Uh, elite Europa. Avora. Avora. Elise. Elise. <laughs> That's all I got. I think I'm uh, Amira because I just we said just it. said it like four <laughs> times. I just said. Avaya. Avaya. Okay. How about Erica? I mean, I could think. I could you know get the next good one. <laughs> you know what? We should try that. Don't because ever it, knock it. In my a possibility, in my eleven years of owning a Lotus franchise, <laughs> the busiest we've been is since they've actually announced that they're going to come out with their last combustion engine car. Wow! What so is that if about? I were them, I would postpone electricity. Come <laughs> yeah, out with one more, one more, <laughs> maybe even a couple more, just because you can. Right, and we have Erica. It's interesting that Haggerty is creating what seems like a monopoly of the classic car market. Haggerty is actually an American automotive lifestyle and membership company and the world's largest provider of specialty insurance of classic cars, for those that don't know the name. Uh, Recently, they actually went public uh, with the purpose, in their words, 
to save driving and the car culture. Mikkel Haggerty uh, recently uh, acquired many events like Amelia Island Concourse, which you know very, very well. Uh, he claims in interviews that Haggerty plan plans for now to keep the vibe uh, and keep the character and the geography and the schedule of all these events that he's taking over. Uh, but in my experience, most companies that go public uh, make statements about how everything's going to remain the same. And then it's really only a matter of time before they start running like publicly traded companies. So in your opinion, do you think it's a good or bad thing for one company to have so much control? Well, funny you should say that because um, Haggerty does own the California Melee, which I'm sponsoring as well. And I think it was it's fun. I've loved everything that McKeel has done and his wife soon. Um, I do think at the moment um, they've spread themselves out a little too far and wide. And I, I, they insure not only my business, but all my cars. Right. Um, and now they've bought into a firm that used to be with Sotheby's and RM and will be doing online auctions, live auctions, and car sales. So I think um, doing a lot, they're right? starting to walk both sides of the street. It's business, I guess because it's got nothing to do with being the old guys or old guys seeking the new generation right. to enjoy the hobby. And um, do I, but right. I, I don't, I don't think some of the events are going to have the character that they once did. And they'll just be bigger cars and coffees rather than the prestigious events they were. I, we definitely deal with not an old world, but a, a, passionate world like right. whether it's you know my kids your kids um, just another sport and a hobby right you know i was amazed to find out that so many of um millennials were buying uh late 60s and 70s cars and i actually think that in the future uh, the stuff that's built out of brick and mortar is going to be cheaper to own and easier to maintain. I mean, when you have your carbon ceramic brakes and you have, you need your carbon fiber factory to restore your car, you go to the dealer and all of a sudden you can't get chips or you can't get a car or they're telling you, well, hmm, you can have your new car, but your radio is yeah, not going right. to work for five months. It's so true. I mean, that's, that's the biggest issue right now with new manufactured cars, just the global chip shortage is just, yeah, you're right. You're essentially buying a, a computer with wheels. The pandemic had a huge influence on how most businesses and events were conducted over the last year and a half. And one area that saw a big difference brought on by the circumstances were the auction houses. The circumstances of the pandemic had forced in-person auctions to online and virtual auction. Although online auctions are not a new thing, the lockdown and the whole pandemic definitely accelerated the transition. And Haggerty reported 2021 sales were double what they were in 2020. So I would think that online auctions definitely don't have the same drama or excitement. There's no personal interaction. Buyers can't see and touch. 
But there's no booze unless you're an alcoholic. I guess you're drinking on your couch. But online auctions are seeing record sales. And having said all of this as a classic and exotic car specialist, would you prefer a virtual auction or an in-person auction? And what would really like what's what would make them each special? Well, well, I think um, I love the auctions. I I love a lot of the people there. To me, it was a uh, convention to go to all these things. Yeah, uh, I find that if you went if online or in person, if you have if you go to an auction for something that's one of six, one of twelve, one of a hundred, you have to go to that auction because that house is being sold, if you will, by Sotheby's that day. Right. So that's the time you know to buy it. Same with the car. To go to the auctions to buy a Ferrari that they made five thousand of, and which you can go and find, touch, feel, and inspect before you buy it, rather than buy as is, where is, when the gavel drops, I don't, that's a casino. Right. It's unregulated. If you looked at um, Barrett-Jackson this past month, had pre-approved, I think, uh, $2 billion for bidders. So wow. again, it's not political. I'm very right. lucky to do what I enjoy. I'm very lucky to have whatever I have. When you're sitting there and you're beyond wealthy and your friends egging you on, mm-hmm. it's where it used to be, what's the difference of a thousand here or there because you could? Mm-hmm. Now you're talking it's a hundred thousand or a million. And that's that's created a fictitious yeah. market. It's interesting. It's like for the real car enthusiasts, I know there are now some of these like hybrid auctions, right? Where you can go and see the car. So you actually see it and know what you're bidding on. You could do that in any auction. Oh, yeah. You go a week before and you inspect it or have the specialist inspect it. Or... Right. You called that something once. You it's told called it. a pre-purchase inspection. Yeah. So I right. find it amazing when people bitch and moan that the car wasn't exactly as it was portrayed online. <laughs> right. But you had 10 days to hire someone for $450, it's a specialist in the field to go look at it for you. You wouldn't buy a house without, right. it, without having an engineering that. report. I actually never knew that that was even like, I, I mean, it makes sense when you think about the money you're spending and what you're doing and your investment. Only if you can count. <laughs> but the fact that that would be let's, something let's someone hope would most do. people can count, but I guess, I guess you experience enough of them. Maybe some of them can't. Oh. I, I think it's actually interesting because 2021 actually turned out to be a pretty spectacular year in your industry. Um, you, there's I, I don't know if it'd be fair to say there's been this whole uh, addition of subcategories of, you know, like you say, maybe it's Gen Xers or somebody else, but whether they're looking for you know small pockets of interest. I know that all the European clients that I've dealt with over the years based on trust uh, we were still doing business and enjoying it and had to still retain the fact that the world was a little crazy yeah. and you had to watch people suffering. And this was just a hobby. My business is everyone's hobby. Right. But the trust came back and the relationship came back. Right. And a lot of people said, hey, you know, we've done business for years and, you know, I trust you. I think, you know, I only claim the fame is... 33 years, I haven't had changed the name over the door. So most people who don't really like me didn't get the monetary deal they would have liked. Right. But I'm unlike many people in my business who have 
recirculated themselves over and over again under different names and come back. But I think we've been busier than ever because it's uh, more of a mom and pop scenario and a relationship. And it's more as if you're a historian and trying to cross every T and dot every I without walking beside the car. 20 years from now, or even past 10 years, I think is the, the, the point where it's no longer new. It's okay if you have to restore something. Right. So I don't really understand why. Yeah, it was a big problem. That the bicycle fell on the Ferrari, but you know, it is <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Fix you it. Can you imagine if that you, happened in Do you know house? what that reminds me of? One of my favorite movies, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? The, the way he was always afraid of his dad that yes. would like, yes. would like sing to the Ferrari. And I have a technical question now that you said that. And I think everyone has this question that isn't familiar with vintage cars. If I drive the car in reverse, will the miles actually come off? <laughs> no, 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 it won't. So, so no. that's a no. That's a definitive no. Okay, <laughs> I'm just making sure. So having married your sister, yeah. who I love because she puts up with the craziness. She's amazing. She is amazing. <laughs> she is amazing. She's still my girlfriend. So. See, I should be a girlfriend. We went. You're a girlfriend. This is not couples therapy right now. I'm, I'm talking. Oh my god! All right. Well, you have been in many racing events over the last 25 years. You've raced Daytona, Watkins Glen, like we talked about, Lime Rock, Long Beach, Austin, Atlanta. How do I say Trois Rivières? River, River, three rivers. Three rivers. That's what I, that's what we were saying, right? Ah, is sweet. How do? Yeah. Okay, in Canada. That will I will always remember that race. Driving in these events is not just an amazing talent. It takes skill and that takes years to develop and even more to perfect. Often not mentioned is the physicality of it and yeah. the stamina necessary. The G forces alone, I can't even imagine taking on. It's interesting. Recently, Formula One which has been using cutting-edge tech for years, actually moved to the AWS or Amazon Web Services platform to compute data to run detailed simulations in order to save a bunch of time and money in how they design and test uh, the aerodynamic properties of these cars. Uh, they, their key goal in this whole project was to redesign the Formula One car to improve the downforce of the car. So my question is, what is downforce? So basically the car that I last drove before retirement um, was a prototype and theoretically the Midtown Tunnel at 100 miles per hour, it sucks to the ground because of the, the diffusers and the tunnels under it. It would mm. stick to the ceiling of the Midtown Tunnel at 100 miles oh. per hour. I actually got out of the last car I drove and I looked at my wife and said, I think that was like driving a Hoover. And for the new generation, <laughs> right. a, a Dyson. <laughs> so Where we bad. used to have to drive sports cars with three pedals, a gear shift, and make it sort of dance. Either you were good at it or you weren't. Today, it is, it is seriously an Xbox generation. Well, that and brings like back to that whole racing car riddle. Is it the driver or is it the car? With all the data going to the engineers, going back by the to the to the driver, I'm still a human in the car, isn't it? At the end of the day, the older true. days, you had the guys on the radio and you wanted to bring them into the car, and 
you wanted to honor them by looking at all the gauges and they'd ask you every lap to check this and check that. Right. And you had senses. Now you have data engineer who's 12 <laughs> and um, has never been in the car. And he's telling you what his data is telling you should do. And half of winning a race is finishing a race. You know, we used to be on the radio and I'll never forget the team camaraderie was always something I really loved from the mechanics because they're never going to be in the car. So they'd come on the radio and they'd uh, say, so how are the tires? <laughs> and if it was a good team that understood my, my craziness right. and my sarcasm, I'd usually, you know, I'd get on and say, well, you know what? They've lost that loving feeling. And if you can get everyone on the radio, we could sing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but to be able to do that at speed, and laugh you're just in a rhythm and it was it was that was the best part about it i mean anyone can try to go faster you were so good i don't know if i was so good i you just so i good. i didn't i i enjoyed the time with the teams right i almost enjoyed more testing than i did the race so with everything we've discussed um what would you tell someone who's looking to purchase their dream classic or exotic car you know, what is the most important tip you'd give them around what what they need to look for, what they should do when they're ready to make that purchase? Be careful what you wish for. Do your due diligence, educate yourself, and realize that you have to find someone who's got the patience to actually educate you and understand what you want, what you would like to fit your lifestyle, and then legitimately go take a ride or drive it if you're well suited to because you may possibly ruin every dream you've ever had and as i've told many people over the years you may be better suited to putting a um, a model car on your desk and a, <laughs> and a no seriously at a big poster on your office wall and right. remember it fondly because it looks great but it doesn't suit you and you don't suit it so you adapt to it. It doesn't give a shit about modernization of anything. Right. I love that. That's good. Me too. Well, I'm glad you guys love it. That brings us to game time. For this game, we are going to combine your insane automobile knowledge with your love for James Bond. And I will name a car, and you tell me the title of the Bond movie in which it appeared. Are you ready? First of all, it's Bondopolis, but okay. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, Bondopolis. The 1963 Aston Martin DB5. Goldfinger. <gasps> yes! Quick! Sean Connery, uh, probably e the best. E even better, Thunderball was in. <laughs> oh, my God. Although I do love Daniel Craig. Sean Connery was. Sean, Sean Connery, I feel like, is the best one. All right. Aston I agree. Martin. I agree. Aston Martin V12 Vanquish. Living Daylight? No, no, I don't. It's a, oh, shit, what is the one with Pierce Brosnan? I know, I don't really remember. Die. Die Another Day. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the right. one that had that, like, crazy camouflage. Where I know, like, go where invisible. it, like, disappeared. <laughs> Wait, yeah. didn't they use, like, thermal stuff to find it in one of the scenes? It's funny, because I actually have the Aston Martin that was in the living daylights Stop, really? in the shop right now for restoration. Wow. Oh my God. That would be so cool to see. Actually, there were five of them. This is the one that slides down the mountain and, <laughs> and, and through some Stop sort it. of, of really? a barn. Yeah. 
And yeah, it doesn't I mean, it have in the movie it had like um a passenger ejector seat because like oh, I would love that in real life. <laughs> I would use that so often. That's DB5. Oh my god, oh wrong. Well that's what that's I and guess. And Daniel Craig had had the same, but the, he just had the shift knob with the button. Ah. <laughs> All right. The Lotus Esprit S1. It's probably lovely. You are so good. That's the one you yeah. love because it turns the submarine one. Yes, it? it turns it. Yeah. And right before, right? Now let me tell you, she in the movie she has <laughs> Bella Dewey Cooper Grande nice. Wait, wait, right before I love when he's like, Can you swim? What do you mean? Like where, where, she I didn't hope have you can to swim. swim. It was it was right. a submarine. That was great though. Nineteen eighty five Aston Martin V eight Vantage Volante. The living daylights. Holy moly, you know Joe. He is a historian. You are so a historian. It was the owner. Done. It was the owner of the company's car. Wow. <laughs> that car had gas rocket boosters, bulletproof glass, steel spikes. All right. This is a hint hint, even though you clearly do not need it. 1967 Toyota 2000 GT. Oh, uh, hold on. From no, no, hold on. It was a, what a great car. I mean, it was a you only live twice. Yes, Sean Connery goes to Japan. That's why I said hint hint to Toyota. It was, yes. You had this little contraption with a helicopter they called Little Nelly. Oh my God, stop. Yeah. Amazing. But that's the one I saw. I heard that uh, they had to accommodate for his height. So they had to modify the roof because Sean Connery is so tall. Mm. I guess it wasn't, I don't know. Wasn't what they that. did is they cut the roof off and made the only convertible that ever existed. Wow. Mm. Amazing. All right. 1935, Bentley Mark IV. In the book. Casino Royale. It's in the book, all yeah. the Bentleys. He always drove Bentleys in the book. All right, we're going to skip that one. Yeah. Are you ready? Until they gave him a free Aston Martin. 2006, <laughs> Aston Martin, DBS, V12. Casino Royale. Wow. That is Daniel Craig. Holy mo You are seven for seven. Mm. Like, get it? 007. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That car had all those cool gadgets too. Oh my god! And you know what I thought was? I so love that we're family. Oh my god! <laughs> I am so proud of you. Oh great! I always knew you could do this. This is great. But I'm just like that. Just blew this my is mind. so much easier to learn in an English pub. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can we go? Let's go. By the way, I always thought it was interesting that in the in Fleming's novels, it's not the movies aren't the same. Like if you were to same actually order, right. same order. So if you were actually to watch the movies in order, Casino Royale would have been the first movie. Yeah. We could talk to you for hours, and I just love your perspective on everything going on in the industry. I was thinking, with our daughter getting her permit and license soon, maybe I would yeah. give her my car, and we could talk about getting me a 67 Shelby. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think? I think that's a great idea as a car dealer. And I think, think I, I think that I wish it was your friend that wanted it. I can't no. wait for you to drive it. I love you. Cool. Thanks. Until next time, Bondopolis. That is Tom Bondopolis. Nice. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening today. Please continue to listen and subscribe. You could always find us on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple Podcast, or wherever you find your podcast. You could find us on Instagram at Techie and the Blonde or ask us any questions or suggest topics we should discuss at techieandtheblonde at gmail.com. And our new and exciting website has launched techieandtheblonde.com. 
you can find tons of content, pictures, everything discussed on the episodes. Thanks again. (laughs) 